Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Confessional Podcast. My name is Mike Moran, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusty producer, Mr. Jimmy Seleski. Jimmy. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad we started the podcast now and not... 30 seconds ago when I was going off on all my conspiracy theories. <laughs> I know, I know. The, the, the bees are, are, are fine. The bees, the bees are, are going to be are okay. Not. Yes. <sighs> um, Do you, you have a conspiracy theory about the bees? Isn't there a bees yeah. thing going on? Like the I bees, are, they the have bees are dying? I don't think they have knees. And <laughs> I thought you said I don't think they have bees. Like I don't think those are real. They're... I don't think bees have bees. <laughs> think you about that. The, you know what the weirdest and most and yet somehow real um, uh, mansplain kind of oh actually thing is mm-hmm. the sun is not yellow. That is a mansplain thing. It's true though. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks it is. Uh, really? Yeah, it's right. I, I assume. It's yeah, when you red, draw, right? It's red. No, right? it's ain't. Uh, it isn't Soviet Russia. Well, I'm going to mansplain to you a step further and tell you the sky's not actually blue. Did you know that? Yes, it is. No, it's not. What is it? You would think the sky is blue. But let me explain to you why it's not. Because it's the reflection of light off of the surface of the earth. Yeah, but it appears blue. What else is a color but the reflection of the light? Then how is the sun not yellow? Listen. It appears yellow. No, it doesn't. It, like the, now it I'm trying does. to gaslight no, I'm telling you. <laughs> trying to gaslight That's why what I see in my own head. That's why it's so mind-blowing. Look up at the sun. It is white. Hand to God. Um, but to take this, this mansplain off even further, um, the uh, what were you just talking about? The, uh, the sky. Okay. Uh, the color blue like didn't exist in most cultures for a long time. Really? Yeah, like most most cultures early on don't have a name for the color blue because like nothing in nature is blue and they or hardly anything and the sky is just the sky. That is true because uh, in Greek the word for blue uh, they just came up with it recently. <laughs> <laughs> they just added it to the dictionary. They just recently. added it. They just tossed it in recently. It's like when they put in like dough or so like yeah, some yeah, some yeah. catchphrase. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like bay. Um, and their word well, for blue is bleh. bleh. Really? Bleh. And, but you know what it was before they had a word for it? They Nothing. used to say oranos. And oranos is means that a word? sky. It means sky. Right. So when you were describing right. something as blue, yeah. you would just say that's sky. Well, no. In the, I think it's, is it the Odyssey? I believe it's the Odyssey where they mm-hmm. describe the sky as champagne colored. Really? Yeah. Because they're, I don't know. They had Stupid. champagne Greeks are known. Yeah. Was it the Odyssey or was it like Plato or something? Maybe it was one of those uh, people. Homer's uh, the Iliad. Uh, well, that's the same time as the Odyssey, Jimmy. Yeah, I don't know. Dude. I think it was. Yeah, no. You know what? It, I think it was Tim Allen's "Never Stand Close <laughs> to a Naked Man." That was it. That was it. He right, did we, say something about the sky. We have gone so far off of intros right now, Jimmy. Uh, first of all, tell us about your podcast, and then tell people where they can find the Confessional. My podcast much better than this one. It's called Live from the Studio with Jimmy and Eric. Uh, we record 
whenever we can. I, we did one pre-Thanksgiving, mm. and uh, we were going to do one today, but neither one of us ever planned to do it today, so it didn't happen. But uh, and, and this podcast is better than, than my, <laughs> this podcast. Much it's it's fifty percent you just explaining your scheduling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I try to I try to make this podcast worse to make my podcast oh, better. I okay, I which see. is yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's much. live from the studio where LFTS podcast on everything. As far as this podcast, uh, uh, you might remember this podcast as uh, when we're on this one. If you'd like to submit a confessional, Mike posts his stuff on Facebook. The mm-hmm. Facebook page is facebook.com slash confessional podcast. He'll post a topic every week. Uh, this week, I think he kind of rushed a little bit, right? Yeah. Just came up with it. But usually, every week, he'll post one up. You can submit your confessions either publicly or privately. Right. And uh, we'll read it out on the episode if we, if we like it. If right. we like it. Yeah. Yeah. Or if we don't have enough. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and our guest today, Jimmy, mm-hmm. this woman is 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 one of the most creative comedians to ever leave Baltimore. She's, of course, <laughs> left Baltimore mm. because everybody leaves Baltimore except for the couple of people that I wish would leave Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, she's moved to Chicago. She's done a lot of amazing stuff. She and I ate cake with Michael Ian Black on stage a couple years ago. Wow. Yeah. Can you say that you did that? I can't. Didn't think so. I can't say I could do that. Uh, and we've performed together many times. She's the author of the Starbucks Diary, in which she uh, wrote a letter to Starbucks, I think, every day for a year. For really? Ten, for 10 for years. For 10 years. <laughs> That's even more dedication than a notebook. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, please welcome Christine Ferreira. Hey, guys. Thanks hey. for having me. Thank you so much. So good to see you. Oh, you too. You're, you're visiting from Chicago to pick up some things. Oh, yeah. Yes. How's that going? It's uh, going well. It's a little weird because it's, like I was telling you, I haven't seen, this is the first I've seen or spoken to anyone in Baltimore after having lived right. here for 12 years. So that's well, Why? Weird. Why? Well, I just I mean, figured I get, with social distancing right. and whatnot, it just wasn't. A good idea to so yeah yeah but I feel I don't know I feel like you can go on walks you can uh, that's true. that's pretty much it that's just true. go on walks well I drove Friday about thirteen hours so I was pretty yesterday I was kind of just recovering mm-hmm. from that and um, yeah I'm staying at a super creepy Airbnb really yeah and uh, so I don't know yeah yeah okay uh, where's where's the Airbnb um. It's on St. Paul, like right, it's in Charles Village, right okay. by near Charles Village Pub. Okay. So right. yeah, right over there. So in Towson. I'm just kidding. It's there's there's a Charles Village Pub in Towson. Oh, there is? Oh, there is. Yeah. Jimmy just jumps right in as soon as he yeah, hears that. CVP in Towson. I, ooh, <laughs> I got a lot to unpack in there. Um, Christine, before we get started, do you, since, since Jimmy and I got to, uh, got to geek out on, on mansplaining facts, do you have any you'd like to, to share with us so that we can shoot them down? <laughs> like conspiracy theories or just, oh, uh, you know, and just any, any factoids that you have, it's okay if not. Just, just one of those facts where it's like, actually, yeah. uh, well, actually, well, dot, actually, dot, dot, finish that sentence. Hmm, I don't. <laughs> think i do All but right. if i think of any i'll let you know but, okay cool yeah. well today we are discussing anxiety disorders yes uh, i have a feeling christine and i will be weighing in a little bit more than jimmy on this one <laughs> i have a lot of anxiety you, you know what you just go ahead and plan that best buns competition you've been working on <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about anxiety yeah. um 
I feel like I've sort of called this session into, you know, because it's something that, oh boy, I've been thinking about a lot. I mean, I've thought about it, of course, and been plagued by it my Mm. whole life. But what kind of has been bringing it up for me recently, besides the pandemic, obviously, is that a year ago I moved back to Mm. the pretty much exact place where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Which, neighborhood? Uh, or? Yeah, the neighborhood where I grew up. And this, did you grow up outside of Chicago or in Chicago? Outside of Chicago. Okay. In so, a suburb of Chicago. Okay, so it's just like your classic county suburb type of thing going on? Yes. All right. And I always tell people, um, one of my little jokes is I always, I always like to say that growing up in the suburbs of Chicago in the 1980s was exactly like a John Hughes movie. Oh, yeah. If John Hughes made psychological thrillers. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like that, except for not funny and really sad. Oh, okay. So. Well, what Breakfast Club uh, <laughs> stereotype were you? I was definitely the... Ashley Sheedy? The Ali Sheedy, okay. yeah. Yeah, Ali I mean, Sheedy. I didn't dress like that. I didn't even have style like that. So imagine right. like a red-haired, chubby version of that but not with good clothes or stuff or whatever <laughs> but i was i was very much like that okay. which is okay. why i've called you all here today right, to yeah. talk about yeah yeah no actually jimmy did uh, tape my buns together yeah. recently so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah i really? need to be done <laughs> needed to be done um what what stereotype would i be i guess i was kind of i guess i was i was the nerd but kind of the stoner guy, too. I thought you were the Emilio Estevez type, personally. No, that's you. That's oh. the jock. Oh, you're right. I'm that Emilio Estevez in, uh, in Young Guns. Oh, okay. 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 You could, we could broaden it to any John Hughes character, so you could be Ducky or something like I that. I was probably Ducky. Okay. Ducky. Yeah, yeah. Wait, no. What, wait, Ducky was the friend in... He was the guy in Pretty in Pink oh. who was really great and cool and was in love oh, with that's not Molly me. Ringwald. And then, of course, she went with I, the I, other I, I, I was the sickly depressed friend in Ferris Bueller. That's what I was thinking oh, of. Oh, dude, perfect, I was perfect. just going to yeah. say that was me. I swear really? to God I was going to ask if Ferris Bueller was a John Hughes movie. It is, right? But I didn't yeah. want to say yeah, I, and I think I think it's actually in a shared universe thing with The Breakfast Club. I'm pretty sure that's the same high school. Really? And they like call it out as the same high school. And another fun fact, uh, Home Alone, they actually filmed a lot of the interiors of the house in that high school. Like they built it in the gym. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What high school is that? That high school got a lot of play back in the day. Yeah, it I can't did. Remember. Probably some like high school movie name like Jefferson High. I think it well, was actually York. I think it was York High School, which is one of the biggest ones in Chicago. It's just uh, like massive. Uh, I'm not sure, but I I vaguely remember well, that. Was the, was there like rumors of like this guy went to the John Hughes High School or? Well, there was always like kind of buzz about those movies right. being made. Like, oh, so and so was an extra in you know yeah, whichever yeah, one or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my sister's friends were expert or extras in the uh, Sean Astin vehicle, Toy Soldiers, filmed in UVA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Well, let's see. So, how did we get here? So, okay. So, I'm back in the place where I essentially in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Why, why did you move to the exact same neighborhood? To be close to my mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't know. And so it's just, it's kind of like 
brought up a lot of memories because, you know, I can just be walking down the street and run into something sure. from my childhood and that I didn't yeah. even remember. Yeah, you know, I, have, like, I have, like my neighborhood, I'm always dreaming about it. You know, it has like such my, my neighborhood that I grew up in it has such a weird place in my psyche. <laughs> I mean, mine has like a, yeah, it's like a sinking feeling for me. I really? mean, it was hard to move back there because... Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just like my worst time, which is mm-hmm. what I was going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so, so okay, so I don't want to skip ahead too much, but um, like, for example, in when I was in high school, I really didn't have too many friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this guy who used to kind of bully me because I was really, really shy. Mm -hmm. And even to say that I was shy is like an understatement. Um, It was more than that because it was just, I mean, I was like paralyzed. Were you like, you were like the silent kid? I was the silent, okay, Mm -hmm. so that brings me to um, my my nickname by my bully who used to, they always did it alphabetically, so he always sat behind me and he called me mute girl. <laughs> That's not too bad. It's not. I feel like there's there's worst insults that. Well, can when be... you're afraid to right, utter yeah. a sound, yeah, I know, and you're mean. like sixteen. No, I, I really, is... I became that that person too. Honestly, like it was weird. Like I, I, my social anxiety just developed more and more as high school went on. But I also had like more friends as it went on. But it was a very specific group of friends, and when I wasn't around them, I couldn't talk. Yeah. I did. I was like that, but without the group of friends. <laughs> so I basically just didn't talk. Right. And if a teacher called on me for some answer, I literally could not mm-hmm. make a sound. Mm-hmm. And so they called me mute girl. And mostly, I think, I mean, I was pretty good at hiding in high school. So I'm. I feel like for the most part, nobody really noticed me except this one kid who sure. always sat behind me. Yeah. So he would make fun of me, and he would sometimes like kind of hit my the back of my head right. and be like, see, she can't talk. Say something. Say something, mute girl. She can't God. talk. And she would, he would do stuff like that. And I was just like, ugh. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> would you try to, like, make a joke out of it or anything? Or, like... Nothing, no. no just... I mean, don't even think about the person that you met, mm-hmm. which, like, we probably met, like, five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not that person. Yeah. This is, like a ghost of a human, okay. <laughs> like a, a freaky little ghost. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about those times mm. and I was like, you know, I'm just going to have to really face it and actually think about it. And then I've been kind of writing stories about it, which I was planning to do not so much as a book, but maybe like an audio book. Cause it's more like stories that I like to tell ver- mm. verbally. So, um, so I've been kind of like going through, like, how did I get to the point where I was functionally mute right. in high school and just walking around? Like another example is during lunch, everybody at our high school would go to this hot dog stand and, you know, just like huge groups of kids. Like uh-huh. everybody was like in a huge pack of like eight or 10 people yeah. and they'd go eat lunch. And I was too afraid to go there because mm-hmm. I didn't literally have anyone to eat yeah, lunch with. Yeah. So I would just go, but it was my high school was too far for me to walk all the way home and back 
to get lunch. So I would just go somewhere and like stand in a doorway. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of had a similar thing when I first came to Delaney, I, um, which is right around here. When I moved up from Virginia, went to Parkville for a few months. I was fine. Then I came to Delaney. And even though my social anxiety wasn't terrible at that point, I just didn't have any friends. Like, I just didn't know anyone at first. And um, and then I think even when I did get friends, I wasn't on the same lunch with them. So I had to sit alone the whole time. And it was horrible. It was like it, lunch went from like the best time of the day to the worst. And mm-hmm. it was like so awkward because I, I didn't want to look like I was alone. And, I you know, I just like... I'd, I'd look like I was trying to, you know, do some work or something, you know, it was just terrible. Yeah. Um, go, so, oh, sorry, go on. Oh, that's okay. Also, feel free to interrupt me. I don't want to totally, like, dominate if you... Again, if you the sky. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I was trying to sort of, like, locate when exactly did like did something happen you right. know like did right. so i started thinking back to like when is my first memory of not being able to speak or something like not being able to speak up for myself or something mm-hmm. so my earliest memory of that is when i was in first grade i had this teacher mrs rotan and she was kind of scary like she was kind of mean i mean not just to me everybody found her kind of mm-hmm. scary and I just remember we were sitting in a circle for story time and like I had to go to the bathroom <laughs> and I was like, I remember, I still kind of remember just being like, just go ask to go to the bathroom. Like, it's okay right. to ask to go to the bathroom. That's what people do. And I could not muster the courage mm-hmm. to ask her because she was so just uh, like twitchy and, and kind of volatile. And I just remember like, I just peed my pants mm. and wow. so then I'm just like sitting in a puddle and the janitor came over <laughs> with like his mop Ooh, that was his... my greatest fear in elementary school because <laughs> when it happened to a kid it was like so humiliating oh they'd have my to like God. they'd have to get the spare pair of pants from the from the office uh-huh. and like sometimes yes. the janitor would come with a mop yes. and that was just the and Mrs. Rotan was so pissed <sighs> like she God. was so much more pissed than if I of course I should have just it's already the yeah. most humiliating thing ever. Oh and then God. she's going to give you grief on top of it. Like she was like, everybody get away. And so <laughs> the whole circle like spreads out like, get away, get away. Because there's this, well, there was this <sighs> puddle creeping uh, out. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember I, I tried to pass it off like I sat in a puddle of water. <sighs> and it was so. Good play, good play. Um, yeah, that's, that's not bad for a. <laughs> For a kid, like I had I a water like, balloon in my back pocket. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like I was just kind of like, oh, what's, what's that? I'd just be like, I oh, I might, I maybe my water broke. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god, that's are, right. I already these have are sex. Good. Yeah, yeah. These like are you good. are, you look cool. Like yeah. <laughs> so, so that was one thing. So I know that at least in first grade, I was like already pretty. Sure, you said that happened in first grade. You first said, grade, yeah. you know what? Um, my friend's girlfriend is a like a preschool teacher, and she says that like when kids have accidents, like she'll get mad too and like yell at them. And I was like, "What? Really? Oh, no. you yell at them?" Yeah. And she's like, "Yeah, you'd think like you'd feel bad for them, but after like the fifth kid in a week pisses their pants, you just start to get mad, and oh, you just gotta kind of." And I was like, "Wow, you know, wow. it's not like they can really. It's not like nobody of... wants to pee their pants. Yeah, nobody oh. wants to." Do it. Yeah, I uh, if I get Adam Sandler, 
real quick. I, I had really bad peeing my pants anxiety as a kid that I think I, I kind of still have weirdly, like not so much uh, in school or like during the day, but at night, every now and then I would wet the bed. Like, I don't even think it was that chronic, but every now and then I would do it and I would just feel so embarrassed and humiliated about it that I like really kind of made sure that there was no pee in me before I went. And if I felt anything while I was falling asleep, I'd get up and do it. And I think I still kind of have that. Like I can't have like any pee at all. Like if I have the feeling of pee, I have to get up and go pee no matter what. Wow. And I get up a lot in the night. Hmm. When's the last time you wet the bed? Would you say, you know, even in my drunken years, I didn't, I think because I was so, I was even, paranoid then i probably i i think i remember having like one kind of late one that i was really really embarrassed about like sixth grade or so yeah but before that it probably was a few years i still have dreams that i wet the bed and i don't think i've wet the bed like since i was like eight or something my greatest greatest fear was wetting the bed at a sleepover i think that's where it started oh yeah where I'd, i'd like go pee a million times um and then oh, it, ha- I wouldn't it happened sleep. once. I would stay up all night. Really? Just for that reason? For that reason. Because wow. I went to bed till I was about seven. Wow. And I hardly did any sleepovers, but I remember right. at least one, and I just yeah. stayed up all night. Yeah, and I was so scared at camp that I was going to do it. And um, let's talk right in there. Yeah, I was just saying. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, uh, oh, oh, and I remember one where um, we watched the movie Candyman. Ooh. Uh, Chicago based as well. Oh, yeah, the Cabrini Green projects. Oh, right, right, right. And um, there, there's a horrifying scene that it still scares me to this day of of a young man being attacked in a toilet. <gasps> it, it's really disturbing. And um, and I and so that night I like I was like oh I I don't want to go into the bathroom. I was like scared of the bathroom, but I also didn't want to pee myself. So it was, <laughs> it was a conflict. But okay, uh, so. Skip ahead now to third grade. Okay. <laughs> We're really going to cover some ground here today. Um, so I in third grade, I had a teacher, and also, come to think of it, she was a little scary, too. Yeah. I think, I don't know if these people were, like, bitter about teaching grade school or what the deal was, but I remember, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, so this is, like, the late 70s, so... I swear to God, I remember my third grade teacher would go out in the hall and have a smoke. Really? And she, yeah, and she always smelled like smoke. Yeah, I remember rumors <laughs> of one of the teachers smoking in our little bathroom, like mm-hmm. in, in elementary school. In the early grades, we had like a little bathroom in our room, and there was always rumors of finding cigarette butts in uh, in one of the toilets. Yeah, it's bold and that she didn't think anybody would smell it in the little. Bathroom. I just I don't think it was that big of a deal. I think it was just kind of like yeah, whatever, you know. Like our gym teacher, Mister Lowe, was like this overweight. Like West Virginia guy with teeth missing, who would chew, to, who would literally chew tobacco because they made him stop smoking. Like while we were in gym class. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was legendary. He like, that's awesome. He broke a chair in front of us once, and we thought it was the funniest thing that ever happened. Oh my god, because he lost his temper. Or? No, no, no. He sat on it and broke. Oh, he sat on like a oh. little kid, which oh. I, I, you know it, it would be sad normally, but just given the guy, it was just like he was just such a like. Over the top, you know, like outspoken kind of oafy guy that it was just funny. Oh, my God. Wow. I guess it would be really crazy if he broke it out of anger. (laughs) (laughs) Insane. Um, But so, okay, so I'm in third grade and um, my teacher, this like chain smoking, coffee drinking, just, 
you know, kind of uh, um, coffee drinking, just like rough kind of lady um, decides that we're going to do a play like our whole class is going to put on this play mm-hmm. and it's we're going to do Alice in Wonderland, mm. which is actually I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we did the whole entire thing, but it's a pretty epic story. Right. You know, it's not exactly yeah. like. You know, a light. Yeah. It's, it's not like the three little pigs or something. Right, it's right. like a pretty epic. Yeah. So um, we're going to do Alice in Wonderland, the whole class, and we're going to put it on for the whole school and all the parents. And she cast me as Alice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, in my mind, I don't even know how that happened. It right. was like, what? <laughs> and. I yeah I don't. Do you think it, it was like cruelty? Like she just. I, to, I've always wondered. Did she do it out of cruelty? Like was right. she like I'm going to take this complete mess of right? A, or did she think it was good, she was going to like Darwin you into like right. becoming stronger? Like right. Nietzsche you? Yeah. Or did she exposure like, therapy? She saw a little spark in me or something, right, right, and she was trying to help me out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She was not a very nice person. So, um, but I've wondered that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and then my best friend, who was named Molly, who was, um, she had just moved to town. And so we became friends mostly because she just didn't know that I was like kind of a, <laughs> like a outcast. And, um, and also we lived close to each other. But she was like this tiny little blonde haired, blue eyed, like she looked like a doll. Like she was so pretty and like everybody was just kind of in love with her and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And, um, I remember Molly was like really pissed because she was like, wait, what? Like, I should definitely be Alice in Alice in Wonderland. Like, and she actually, I remember her saying, like, uh, no offense, but um, Alice did not have red hair. And I'm sorry, no offense, but red hair is super ugly. <laughs> Nobody likes red hair. Uh, and everybody knows that Alice was a blonde. But no offense. <laughs> but no offense. No disrespect this is at all. Like but... going to be a disaster. Yeah. Oh, and I goodness. was just so like, oh, my God. So then I thought, well, I really have a lot riding on this. Like, right. So in my head, I'm just like, this is my chance to be a different kind of person, oh, okay. you know, like, right. so that I won't be the kid who wet their pants right. in front of everybody. Right. And I won't be like this, you know, weird, shy loser. And I just thought like, I've really got it. So I studied my uh, lines. I worked so hard. I mm-hmm. remember my mom sewed me like a little pinafore costume oh. and, um, you know, the whole class went crazy and like decorated. We made all these like, flowers for like the rabbit hole thing mm, and mm. and all this stuff and all the kids got their parts and everybody like worked on their costumes and I like completely um really memorized everything and it was a lot I mm-hmm. mean it was so much to memorize mm-hmm. so and I like practiced by myself and rehearsed all the time and that kind of thing. And then there was even another little scandal during <laughs> the production, Uh-oh. which was that the girl who was cast as the Queen of Hearts was also kind of like a shy, timid girl. And so she had, but her mother had made her the most badass Queen of Hearts costume. It was like a perfect replica of a cool. queen playing cl- card. And it was like a cardboard thing that she wore. Nice. It was so adorable. And, um, then at the last minute, the teacher, Miss McKenzie, was like, "Well, you're not 
you're not like loud and bombastic enough to be queen of hearts. So we're going to have to switch you. And she switched her with this girl, Kirsten, who was really just this natural drama queen who was like. Her name is Kirsten. There's no other option. Yeah, Yeah. she was like the just total drama kid, really loud, really outgoing, super extroverted. And then Mrs. McKenzie was like, and give her your playing oh part. Oh, my God. And I remember Sarah just being, like, almost crying, uh, like, having to turn. Was her mom like, angry? I don't know, um, but wow. I would be if I were her mom. Because sure. it was, like, beautiful. I still remember how amazing that costume was. So she, Kirsten's just kind of like, thanks, you know, and puts it on and whatever. And so it's just like, okay, like, people. And were you worried that was going to happen to you? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there was this kind of thing of like Molly being like, eh, you right. know, like pissed off that she wasn't Alice. And I think there might even have been murmurings of like everybody was kind of like, whoa, you picked the wrong girl to be Alice. What did like, uh, Molly play? You know, I can't. She had a little part, but I remember it was really little, and I don't even remember what it was. No offense, but your part was really <laughs> insignificant. We could have done the play without you. I mean, every Molly. single person had a part. But the another thing was, why did she pick this play that so heavily leans on the lead? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. Like, like, besides Alice and maybe the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. And maybe the Cheshire Cat. There's not a lot. Right, right. Yeah, so I don't even remember what part Molly ended up getting. But anyway, but it started getting like really intense. So we do like this dress rehearsal for the other classes. Mm -hmm. And and I have to say, like, I remember I completely nailed it. I just was like, I was like, this is it. I got to do it. And I remembered all my lines. I hit the marks. I did the little fake roll down the rabbit oh, hole. I mean, awesome. people were like, oh my God, wow. like, she's really good. And I kind of remember this moment of just being like, oh my God, oh my God, yes. like this is amazing. Yeah. This is so fun. Like, I totally love this. Okay, so then <laughs> we get to the evening that we were doing it for the whole school right. and all the parents in the auditorium. Right, right. Okay, so this is at like 7 p.m. or whatever. Sure. <laughs> it still kind of makes me sad to think about it. Um, so we're, we're getting ready for this. And, and by this time, like my class is already kind of like, yeah, you can do it. Like they're wow. kind of on my side now. Like they're like, yeah, so you they, totally. Get, this is Rocky. They're getting behind the underdog. Yeah. They're like, like, you might be able to pull this off. They're like, yeah, come on. Just keep going. You got wow. it. You got it. You know, you're nailing it. Okay. So um, the night of the show, <laughs> I'm outside playing okay. as one does sure. when one is in third grade. Certainly. And I was, I remember looking at the sky and being like, you know, the sun is maybe kind of setting. And I was kind of like. The oh. white sun. Yes, the white sun was setting in this just plain sky. And I was thinking, I wonder what time it is. And so I go inside and I like kind of realize like, I don't really know how to tell time. Like, I don't know why most kids learn that, but this is before Uh, digital clocks, or at least we didn't have one. And I remember just being like big hand, little hand. Oh boy, like I'm not really sure what time it is. And then I was like, looking at my costumes, and I was like, I wonder when my parents are going to pick me up and take me to the school so I can 
do the play. Right. And it's getting, it's kind of getting darker out. Like the sun is going down. And I also don't know how to get to school by myself. <sighs> I, I mean, I'm in third grade. Okay. I was probably eight or nine. Right. So, and actually a little younger because I was one of those kids. Well, even if that, you do know how to get there, how are you going to get there? Try, right. Yeah. Like with my costumes and right. stuff. Um, so I just was kind of like, oh my God. And I'm just <sighs> starting to freak out. And I'm thinking, I remember I literally just sat by the front door with my costumes <laughs> and I was kind of like, please, Aww, please like right. let my parents come and, <sighs> you know, but my parents also, both of them worked full time. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, like a latchkey kid or whatever. So I'm just waiting by the door and it's getting darker and darker. And I'm like, this, this cannot is, be mm. good. This cannot, like, I don't know what time it is, but I'm pretty sure it's right. at least seven o'clock and I'm just like sweating, like <sighs> freaking out. I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So finally, a much later, my parents come through the door and they're just kind of like laughing and I and they see me standing there with my costumes and they were like, sweetie, where were you? And I'm like, what? Uh, and they're like, we went to Alice in Wonderland uh, to see you, and you weren't there. Uh, and I was like, I, uh, uh. And they they were like, yeah, it was really strange because um, after a while, like Molly had to uh, do oh, no. Alice, and she uh, um, she didn't have a costume, so she just kind of did it in her street clothes, oh, and man. she didn't really know the lines, so she it's, just kind of. Did, she just kind of made it up. Did your parents think you were just going to like stay at school? I don't know what they thought to this <sighs> day. I mean, I have asked them. Okay, Were you not like, what the <laughs> fuck, mom and dad? I, do I look like I have a Cadillac parked in the... It, it's, <laughs> you realize I'm in third grade. Yeah. I will say they divorced the following year, which is actually true. So I mean, I, your dad married Molly. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but she's a lot cuter than your mom. Um, yeah, so I just was totally crushed. I kind of imploded oh because I never God. really expressed anything out, sure. outwardly. That's so sad. So they just kind of laughed and were like, oh, my God, that was crazy. You didn't even show up and play Alice. Oh, my God. And then they just kind of like so went to bed. And I was like, oh, my God. So... I'll never forget that night just being like, what? I have to go to school tomorrow yeah. and face my whole yeah. my whole third grade class. And I was just like, oh, my God, I have to get out of it. There's no way I can go to school. But then if I don't go tomorrow, yeah. it's just going to be the right. next day and the next day. So I get up, I go to school, and I'm just like kind of not making eye contact with anyone. And I'm just kind of hoping by some miracle nobody <laughs> notices. Right, right. Like they don't brush it notice. Off quick, they, like, yeah, yeah, maybe they kind of forgot or something. I don't know. Nobody says maybe anything. Maybe it's Scholastic Book Day, and they all focus on that instead. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, to have a school shooting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but so I go and nine like, eleven. <laughs> come on, come on, nine eleven. Saved by Al Qaeda. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I go to school. Nobody says anything to me. Either way, and I'm just sort of like, okay, well, maybe that's not that big of a right, deal. Right. I don't know. So then comes a uh, uh, recess, and I go on the playground. I do my typical find a little enclave to stand alone in Aww. during recess yeah. until it's over. 
And Mrs. McKenzie, my third grade teacher, finds me in my little enclave. And she's like, hey, hey, Christine. And I was like, hey. And she's like, yeah, um, where were you last night? And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really sorry. Um, and she's like, yeah, that was kind of uh, weird because, you know, you didn't show up. and um, <laughs> Oh, that's why it was weird. Okay. And Molly <laughs> had to do Alice, and she didn't have a costume. She just had her clothes, and she didn't really know the lines. And uh, so that wasn't really great. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she was like, you ruined uh, the play and you uh, ruined the entire night. And I uh, distinctly remember her looking right at me and saying, and everybody hates you. Oh what? my God. Teacher of the year. Yeah. And I was like, <sighs> oh my God. Like, I was just like, Lord. it is confirmed. She was like, yeah. So okay, I don't know why you did that, but what and that the? was it. And this like, is like a weird John Waters movie, like between the parents <laughs> right. like coming See, home laughing. I, I was you. like, where were you? This is what I'm telling you. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And so, the teacher, Jesus. Right. Wow. So that was pretty rough. Did you have that uh, that woman from the Holocaust as your teacher? What was her name? The conchers or the. The, the bitch of Bellsburg or whatever. Oh, like, shit. Nurse Ratchet? I don't know. <laughs> you um, know, I actually watched that movie woman right... from the Holocaust. Just real quick, I watched that movie last night with my sisters. They'd never seen it before. She, she's not that bad. She's not that bad, <laughs> the, the, That's kind of a misogynist movie. Like, oh, really? It, I'll have to it, watch yeah, it Yeah, it really is. It, and it, 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 like... All the women are either like prostitutes that uh, that what's his name brings in, right? Or they're like authority figures that everyone hates, and and she doesn't. I guess threatening to tell Billy's mom at the end was was a little mean, but right, yeah. she really wasn't that bad. She yeah. didn't warrant getting choked by Jack Nicholson. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it in a while. Um, but just before you continue, uh, I, it's quick aside. I actually did kind of have a similar experience where I was in a play. And we were all, but I wasn't the lead or anything, but I was in it and I was going with my family and we walk in the door and the play is like halfway through. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I'm like, uh, and it was a similar thing where like someone had to, I think a teacher like read my lines or something. (laughs) And and, uh, I was like, well, it it was, it was a bummer, but obviously it was nothing compared to what you had to go through. Yeah. (laughs) So this teacher just, uh, destroyed your little life even more than it already was. Just Kinda, your heart was yeah. already torn in half. She went ahead and, and smashed it up with a mallet. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And I mean, I will say so, you know, then we you get into high school where now you understand why my name was Mute Girl and all of that. Right. Right. I mean, I'm sure it was like maybe a little more complicated than that. But um, but I remember I mean, I don't know if we have time for another. Yeah, yeah sort but of let's let's read a confession first. Though, oh yeah, yeah. This one is uh, this one has to do with moving as well. Okay. Um, this is from uh, Dick Satori, uh, outside of DC. He says, I'm "Pretty sure he's actually from West Virginia. Maybe he doesn't want to tell us that. Way outside of DC." <laughs> 
my experience with anxiety. I moved from city at 13 to the middle of nowhere, didn't fit in and couldn't wait to get out. I was uncomfortable sitting with myself, anxious about the future, bored and had an existential fear of being alone. I was prescribed uppers for ADHD, which immediately I started abusing. I thought it would help pass time quicker. So at 15, I ran off and joined the circus, literally. Even as a drug addict, I couldn't be happy with the drugs because my anxiety, which is uh, common with the substance use disorder variety, who by definition suffer from the obsession and compulsion to use because I was always worried about where the next fix would come from in fear of inevitably being busted. Anxiety is often described as a fear of the future and depression is dwelling in the past, both of which I learned I am powerless over. So when I feel myself stuck in the disease through mindful practice, I can notice if my mind is dwelling in the past or the future, um, which it inevitably is. I say my mind, but sometimes it feels like it's my body. The brain is driving and I'm in the back seat. But if I can take a conscious breath, which brings me back to the present because it's impossible to breathe in the past or the future. Uh, before I really start began my recovery, I felt as if the weight of the world was on my shoulders. I also identify with PTSD, yet another, you guessed it, anxiety disorder. Once I started to let go of the past and trying to obsessively control the future through my superpower of worrying about it, it freed me up a bit. For me, comedy is the best medicine because you can't think while you are laughing. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, he's he's a he's a really good comedian and a good dude. Um, oh. Did you ever, uh, it sounded like he, substance abuse kind of helped him with his anxiety, which definitely was the case with me too. Did you have that experience at all? No, no. I've never really had substance abuse to any real extent. Did you ever, there There wasn't any um, drug or, or alcohol that you took and you're like, okay, this really helps my anxiety. No, yeah. not at all. Um, as a matter of fact, I mean, I actually... Like not drinking, and I never was like went to AA or anything. But I, I like completely. Really, I never really drank that much. But I completely stopped drinking. Wow, about seven years ago, and that's been the biggest improvement in terms oh, okay. of feeling less anxious, and particularly less anxious with performing. Right, right. Um, so it didn't relieve your anxiety when you had a few drinks. I mean, I think at the time I thought it did. When I first started performing, I would mm. do sh shots of tequila. I'd do like three shots of tequila <laughs> right before getting up. No, I really would. Yeah. And um, in my mind, I had to do that for a while. Yeah. And I thought that it helped me somehow. But really, it was just something to like make me kind of disoriented so right. that I'd have to pay so much attention to that that yeah. I couldn't pay attention to being nervous. Right. Um, it took me, I mean, honestly, I feel like it took me almost 30, well, certainly 20 years. I thought you were going to say 30 shots. I would say, yeah, right? <laughs> um, a couple of speed balls and then that's it, you know? <laughs> okay. So, so nothing really, <laughs> nothing really, yeah. but, but all this stuff that I'm kind of revisiting all this like childhood, stupid stuff. I mean, it seems so silly now, but I'm just like. It's actually really helping me understand why it took me so right. long to overcome it. Because right. like when I was a kid, I was a huge comedy nerd. We always had comedy albums. Mm -hmm. Like we had this Cheech and Chong album I listened to <laughs> probably a thousand times. Yeah. And uh, Steve Martin was a big one for me or George Carlin was another one. 
I was a huge Gallagher fan, like unironically. <laughs> I saw him like 10 years ago at uh, Sonar. Well, in the 80s, the real one like in the, his. The real one. Oh, oh real yeah. One, yeah. I mean, in his, uh, oh, I almost interviewed him when he was in really? town for that. Yeah, but I didn't. But anyway, but I just was like, oh my God, that's the ultimate. That would be the ultimate is wow. to get up there and make people laugh and do something original wow. and all this kind of stuff. So that and was I, your dream for, since from It was then. my dream since wow. really young. Wow. And I would be in my basement when I was a kid and like, you know, like sort of pretend to sure. do it or whatever. Yeah, I do that with like music all the time, you know, like pretend like I'm playing guitar in the mirror and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, it, you know, it took me decades to even work up the courage. So... I don't know. It's crazy to me because you hear, you know, so many people are like, oh, yeah, I started when I was like 16 or 18 or whatever. I'm just like, oh, my God, I would not have been able able to do that. So so by the time I get into high school, I'm now officially mute girl. And I'm just like, (laughs) whatever, like I just need to get through this and uh, and get the hell out of here and never come back. here. Hopefully. But I will say that I had a teacher who. You know, it wasn't like some two-sir with love thing where we even interacted to with each other that much. But there was this teacher at my high school that was, re- like, he was, I mean, physically, he was just really tall mm-hmm. and, like, really rail thin. And he had long hair, like wow. this, dyed jet black Whoa. and he always wore a black trench coat oh and this guy also, sounds awesome he had that kind of skin did where, he have a rib removed <laughs> <laughs> well everybody called him ichabod <laughs> nice. because i mean behind his back it wasn't like a tender you know like right. nickname it was like he looked like ichabod crane right. you know from sure. that and so he he also was like like just alabaster white mm-hmm. like he either wore some kind of whitening, or he never went in the sun. He just, he was probably some version of a goth. Sounds like it. Yeah, but he was, um, he was our teacher. And I had him for a couple of classes, including this one that was called Humanities, which was just generally, it kind of could be anything, but it was just kind of like arts and culture. So, and everybody made fun of him. And in that class, there was, it was like a breakfast club type of thing. Like there was, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like the 80s, I don't know, because you, you know, it was so trippy because there really were like, like there was a girl who looked exactly like that Ali Sheedy character. Mm -hmm. She always wore black and she was weird and crazy and sort of a punk rocker. And then there were like the jocks for Sure. sure. And there were the cheerleaders. That's what Delaney was like. Yeah. It was, when I came there, I was like, this is cartoonishly like over the top. Like, like it really felt like that. The schools I had gone to prior weren't that extreme. But when I got there, it was like, this is, this is surreal, you know? Yeah. But continue. In our school, I would say though, that the punks were kind of above the jocks. Like really? Pretty Not much mine. everybody was sort of intimidated and kind of in awe of them. Huh. But anyway, but Mr. Uh, Reichard was our teacher, and he would teach us about art. So he would come in and, like, he would do crazy stuff. Like, he'd turn out all the lights and just blast some piece of classical music hmm. and then ask us to describe it. Or he would um, he'd be like, what do you guys think if about, he taught us about this guy who was making art out of his own 
urine <laughs> or um, there was somebody doing something with vomit. And this is all stuff that this is the 80s. Right. So to me, I've never heard of this stuff. It was just going on at the time. This yeah. is like contemporary. He told us about the guy who had himself shot what? for an art project. Or oh, the, I think I have heard about that. Yeah. Uh, Chris Burden or the guy who I might even be the same guy who had himself nailed to a Volkswagen. Um somebody making paintings out of their own vomit. Right. Just all this stuff that to me was so wild. Yeah. And all the kids in the class would be like, that's dumb. Right, right. You know, and I was just like, this is like blowing my mind. This is the coolest thing. And Mr. Reichardt was just like, everybody made fun of him, but he actually was like so brilliant and so, you know, because he was older, he didn't give a shit Mm -hmm, what anyone mm -hmm. thought about him. And I never, ever forgot him or all the artists he taught us about. Like cool. I, So then I'm in my 20s, I go to art school, and I ended up being a painter because it was the most solitary form of art sure. I could. So then in my 30s, I go to grad school, and that was more focusing on performance art. Uh-huh. And so I start looking up all these artists that I had heard about, um, like, the guy who shot himself with a gun for a performance, you yeah. know, or things like that. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, I want to do stuff like this. It was like people who are just total no fear and also just like put their literal body into mm-hmm. their art mm-hmm. and just were. So I was like, I this is what I want to do. And I started doing performance art. Mm-hmm. And so then finally, after doing that in my 40s, or finally, when I get to be 40, mm-hmm. I realize that, actually, who am I kidding? I want to do comedy. It's what mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do. I've just always been too scared. Right. And I just decided, I was like, okay, better late than never. You sure. know, I mean, it's my, my lifetime dream, so I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I finally started doing comedy. And... Not only was it like not as scary as I thought. I mean, you know, you bomb for sure, and mm-hmm. it sucks. Mm-hmm. And I've had you all mean kind- me specifically, right? <laughs> well, Mike Moran <laughs> bombs all the time, but that doesn't mean you're gonna bomb. Yeah, <laughs> no, no so- offense, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you? I mean, that was a thing people said. Do you it still is. That? Oh, is and it? It okay. never ends well. It, it never, never ends with anything other than yeah. being utterly offended. Right, right. And no disrespect <laughs> is the updated version of that from. from no disrespect. Right, oh my right. God, that's terrible. Yeah, so anyway, I mean, if anything, of you know, I'm obviously like this overly sensitive like person. Um, and weirdly, well, one thing that comedy surprised me I mean and you're like a good example of this is I started meeting people doing comedy that are also really sensitive mm-hmm. whereas like back what, in do you, the, what do you mean by that well like back no, in the kidding. 80s <laughs> you know what are you trying to say it was so much about being a badass right. in the 80s right, you know right, right, it was yeah. like like he kills he's a badass right, he's right, da, da, right. Da, da. and then so that was one thing that surprised me is like oh people and even comedians are actually like actually Michael Ian Black is a good example too yeah. when we got to do that show I mean he was the sweetest and yeah, actually the yeah. first thing we talked about was anxiety and yeah he's fight. a super nice guy I even noticed one time with him like with texting like he he like I got a message from him like um 
Hey, hey, when I when I said that thing on the podcast, you know that I I, I didn't mean to say, you know, like, Aww, do you ever yeah. have that, like, you know, like where you're like worried you said something and then you message the person, and you're like, oh, okay, sorry, I shouldn't have messaged you. Like, it was yeah. one of those things. So I was like, yeah, this this guy. And it kind of makes sense that like, he's one yeah, of us. like he knows better than anyone yeah. that you know, like, oh, I don't how it could be perceived or whatever. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so finally, I'll wrap this all up by saying that. You know, I've been doing comedy for maybe seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and it's been the best. Yeah. And for the most part, there's been some, sure. you know, bad things. But and uh, and maybe comedy is over forever. I don't know. But but one thing is that um, over the years, I just was like, God, why did I wait so long to mm-hmm. do this thing that is not only the thing I always wanted to do, it's the most fun, mm-hmm. wonderful yeah. thing in the world. Even when it's not that great, it's fucking great. And why did I wait so long? I've totally been kicking myself. And I thought, you know, God, I let this one little thing. <laughs> I mean, it's not like that was the whole reason, but I let this little thing that happened in third grade just crush my right, uh, self-esteem yeah. Yeah. and give me like stage fright times a thousand and all this stuff. And probably it didn't wasn't even a big deal. Like probably I'm built it up in my head. Like I'm sure to mm. anybody else, they probably forgot about it. Yeah, literally but I mean, 40 a teacher telling a third grader that you <laughs> right. ruined everything. Like that is that isn't like I'd imagine that'd be pretty traumatizing for most children. Right. You know? Well, then the thing was, then I started thinking, there's no way a third grade teacher actually said that. Uh, that see. would be so messed up. I must have imagined that, and so I must have a thing in my brain that takes things, makes them like the worst case scenario and obsesses about them and blows them up. That must be like Hmm. a brain thing that I have. So, okay, check this out. (laughs) So I, now I live in the suburb where I grew up. And so my boyfriend and I were at a coffee shop Mm -hmm. in Oak Park where we don't live in Oak Park, but we live close to it. So we're at a coffee shop chilling out. And he knows the story because it's like one of my fundamental stories that you have to know to understand me. Right. So he knows this story. And and we're sitting there and it's just like a normal day. It's not like we're talking about it or thinking about it. But anyway, but we're back in Oak Park. So this woman walks into the coffee shop with a man and she takes one look at me. Our eyes lock. We recognize each other. It's your teacher? <laughs> it's the Queen of Hearts. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. The loud, bombastic. Kirsten. Kirsten. Oh, wait. Yeah. The girl who took over the Queen of the Hearts. The King girl who took over Kirsten. the Queen of Hearts. Oh, my God. And Kindness probably stole the show because she was that kind of sure, a person. Sure, sure. And she looks at me, and I'm like thinking, oh, my God, it's her. And she doesn't, before she says hello or before she says anything, she literally, she's looking right at me. She grabs her husband's arm and she goes, hey, Bill, that's her. That's the girl who was supposed to be Alice in Wonderland, but she didn't show up. And then everybody hated her from then on. And I was like, oh, my God. And like, I look at my boyfriend and he's just like, is this real? Because you've told me this story, but. 
I thought you were exaggerating. You know, I mean, he did, we're just looking at each other. And then she comes over, gives me a big hug. Get We've been friends ever since. We, we totally reconnected. Uh, we're good friends or whatever. And she, conter- she confirmed that your teacher was that evil? She 100% confirmed oh, it. She 100% God. confirmed it. And I was like, oh, my wow. God. I thought I imagined that. And she's what? like, oh, no. Everyone hated you after that. <laughs> I mean, you ruined the whole play. <laughs> we all worked so hard. And Would then you, you ruined it. Did, well, number one, did, were you able to communicate that this was your parents' fault, not yours? <laughs> like, um, I think now that child protective services i mean it's i think nowadays well i think people acknowledge now that that was some form of child neglect but But even if it wasn't like (laughs) i mean even if they did it on accident they they should still know that you did you weren't responsible for this you know like i'm sure they did it on accident i mean i've told my mom this story and she barely remembers it, or at least she says she does. But yeah. but I I was asking her. Someone asked me. They were like, "Well, did your parents stay and watch the whole play?" <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "I don't know." So I asked Sounds my mom, like they and, did. and she's like, "I don't remember." I mean, but we probably did. And oh, I was just like, God. "I can only ask that if you stayed and watched the whole play." And if there was a standing ovation that you did not participate, mom, <laughs> she's just like, I don't, know, I don't know. But anyway, so that's my whole. Wow. That is. Wow. But I have to Good say, grief. ever since Kirsten confirmed it for me, right. was like a huge release sure. because I thought that I was like this yeah. psycho obsessive compulsive person who, I mean, I am, that, but that yeah. like built imagined it right. and built it up I, I kind of have that experience pretty frequently where I think it, like uh, Mike you're being too sensitive you're playing the victim right. you're, you're choosing to remember it a certain way right. And almost inevitably, it turns out that I'm not wrong over time. <laughs> right. Like the person usually becomes someone that everyone like confirms it eventually. You know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. gaslight myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. totally. Like I'll just yeah. be like, "Oh, stop being yeah. such a baby." Right. Right. Yeah. Me too. Um, I uh, what was I going to say? So you said you're 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 getting together. You've been writing about these stories, and are, are you going to get together some sort of? Uh, performance or something like that'd be a cool thing to have like you know comedians tell like their their anxiety story from elementary school or something like that that would be good i was just thinking of like recording it as sort of like an audio thing right right um but yeah i haven't quite like formulated it right i don't know okay uh jimmy do you do you have any anxiety stories i i know you wouldn't consider yourself someone who suffers from much anxiety i you know, it's weird. I actually do consider myself someone who suffers from anxiety. I, I do see it a little bit in you. I really, yeah. like, I can tell you kind of have, like, a, a looking down kind of thing. And I'm yeah. not saying it's, like, weird or stands out or anything. But no, I, see, I, I, can, I can relate to a little bit of it in you. Fucked up. It's fucked up. I, I, can, I can see <laughs> why up. everyone thinks you're such a weirdo and doesn't want to be. That's all I'm saying. For the second, I said, this makes sense. You ruined my play. I mean, do you guys have a fear of being seen as a weirdo? Is that part of it? I used to. Now I care less and less. But um, I feel like now I'm proud if I'm seen yeah. as a weirdo. But mm-hmm. yeah. why was it such a fear for so? Oh, it was long? a huge fear for me. Like, oh my god, it dominated my. Exi- I didn't even know who I was. Like, once I kind of got myself together around 22, and was like, what am I? Do- like, why am I just not being myself? I was like, 
I don't I don't know like who I am because well, I've been like trying to fit in this whole time. I you got know? myself together around forty, so I well, I mean, I'm always <laughs> learning more. I'm definitely like like we were talking about last week. Like uh, I still almost to this day have things where I'm like, do I really like that, or am I saying I like that because I want to look cool? You know, mm, like yeah. I was saying how my, my friend's daughter, uh, like asked her mom, is this for babies? Cause she's like mm-hmm. a toddler. And I was thinking like, I kind of do that too. Like, is this banned for babies? Am I allowed to like, yeah, am I going to look like baby? Like if yeah. I, but uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy, what were you saying? Oh no, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't have like a particular story of anxiety to tell that's even going to come close to that. Or like, I mean, that was a great story, by the way. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was heartbreaking and horrible, but it was Ups that was and down. Yeah, that was a. You told her really well too. You yeah, should definitely do something good. with that. That was good. Ooh, could I give you one little addendum? I'm sorry. I no, didn't mean I, I was. I was just in the middle of saying I have not anything to contribute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but don't interrupt me when I'm saying oh, I'm that. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was talking to one of my best friends about this, and he was like. You know, now that you're living back in Oak Park, you really should see if you can track down Mr. Reichard, your teacher. Because I really, I I can't tell you, like, I thought about him so many times over Mm -hmm. the decades. Like, Mm -hmm. I just was like, God, that if it weren't for that guy, I don't know that I would be an artist, honestly. Because like you were saying, I mean, now it seems like the weirder, the better. And the more, like people, especially with social media, I feel like people are so much more... Just, I mean, not just comedians, like everyone performs for like TikTok and Instagram Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And it's like, there's just so much collective cultural stuff being generated. But back then it really was like Mm -hmm. this thing of fitting in. And if you didn't fit in, it really was bad. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't like, I didn't have like this community of freaks or Mm -hmm. artists, you Mm -hmm. know, that were like, whatever. So... Mr. Reichard was like my only window into the fact that there was another world out there. Mm-hmm. And so he, my friend was like, you got to look him up. And if he's still around, you should really tell him how much he changed your life. Yeah. So I looked him up and of course he died. Oh, he just no. died a couple of years ago. What did he die from? Um, I don't know, but it was kind of sad because... It was like the funeral home, you know, they do those like online obituary things where Mm -hmm. it's like, leave a memory or, you know, you can make a donation for in his name or whatever. Zero. Well, but I I think sometimes they just put those up and no one. That's the impression I've gotten. Like some funeral homes just always put those up. And, and it's uh, not necessarily indicative. I think so. Not really where I people think are going to so. do literally it not one person wrote on it. Because people it made are me so sad. People are more likely to do that. Like if he had a Facebook or something, I'm, people yeah, usually yeah, like, do that kind of stuff on Facebook. Right, right. They'll just write on, "Hey, bro, I remember that one time <laughs> we did that. It was crazy." Um, yeah, but those, doesn't sound like the type of people that Mr. Reichardt would have writing on his page. <laughs> but, hey, dude, <laughs> nice coat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put too much. Okay, in. that um, does make me feel better because I was so sad, yeah. thinking that nobody came to yeah. his funeral and nobody wrote. I mean, I wrote a whole thing. H- how was, old would he have been? He probably would have been in his seventies, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So he wasn't super young, right? Okay. Yeah. So, but I just it, for a minute, it kind of broke my heart. Yeah. Like he. I mean, he definitely was not married with kids. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was um, probably, you know, single. And pr- I'm pretty sure he was queer. A and goth he, to the end. Yeah. 
and um, didn't. I don't know. Not that he couldn't have been married, but yeah. um, buried but, him in in like a, a white sequenced suit because that's like the <laughs> opposite of. Because yeah. like regular people get buried, you know, like it's all gothy looking with the casket. Yeah, I figure yeah, goth yeah. people do the opposite. Yeah, they get right. buried like a little Cuban angel. Sorry, that was a long way to go for not a very good joke. It was more of a concept that I appreciated. Right, right. Um, okay. Anything else you want to say on Mister Mister Reichart before we move on? No. Okay. All right. We just we just got a, a confession in from our friend Carmen Fox from DC. Uh, anxiety has been a part of my life so long. It's a part of the decor in my mind, but rather than a tacky painting that fades into the wall, it's possessed singing Billy the Bass on the wall, shrieking the words in the most disturbing song specified to all my fears and insecurities. The worst part, I can't turn it off. At times it's debilitatingly loud, paralyzing me from thinking, let alone doing anything else. But then at times it fades into the background. I'd like to say I conquer it by tuning it out, but it's not that easy. Instead, I distract myself focusing on something, anything else. What helps most is self-improvement. How can I make my situation and my surroundings better? That's more in my life. Uh, anxiety or the fears it sings on replay. Replay, not replay. <laughs> uh, even though I'll never be entirely free, I can manage it by focusing on what I can control. Okay. Um, hmm. These people sound like they have healthy ways of dealing with it, which right. is really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have the, the loop going on in your head all the time? So do I. Hey, what do you do? I've just been over a long, you know, lifelong period of time. I've just been trying to, when I find myself doing it, just like, oh, oh, that's the mm -hmm. loop. Just mm -hmm. let it go, let it go. Or another thing is, I had this really great therapist who was like, what if you just tried thinking this other thing? Just try that, just see what happens. And like, just try not thinking that thing. And you, if you sort of do that, over time on a daily, you know, mm -hmm. like hourly basis, it does, you know, you do start to get some traction. It's kind mm -hmm. of, I've heard that like the neural pathways are almost like, almost become entrenched like physically. Right. And, right. and so if you change well, them. Well, I think just anything you practice regularly, you get yeah, better at, you know, right. you get strong, whether it's mentally or physically or what. Yeah. I kind of sometimes picture a vinyl album with grooves and I'll be like, oh, I'm stuck mm -hmm. in this groove. I'm going to put it in this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, move it about. over here. Yeah. And I, yeah. if I can kind of picture something um, visually that helps me, mm -hmm. like I'll mm -hmm. just be like, oh, but I don't know. I mean, in the past year since I moved back there and definitely since the pandemic, I've had some of the worst panic attacks of my, really? since I, since I was young. I'm actually, that's one thing I'm fortunate enough to never have dealt with. And I'm kind of shocked that I don't have them, but they sound pretty awful. They're pretty terrible. Yeah. I kind of just think I'm maybe just always in one. If for, you would know if you okay. were though, because it's, it's all, you think you're having a heart attack. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what is it, what does it feel like for you besides, besides the heart? Pounding? I mean, it's a physical thing where it's like my mind is spinning and it feels like, um, I mean, when I'm not in it, but I'm trying to describe it. It's almost like my head is full of chemicals or something because it's like I can't right. really control it. Mm -hmm. And it's spinning, spinning, spinning. And then my, and my heart is elevating. It's like, <gasps> but just, and so I'll start, what happens for me is I start hyperventilating. Is it, is it like this, the second before a car crash type of feeling, but it just won't go away? 
like uh like the <gasps> like yeah and yeah it's like being in mortal fear right sustained yeah and you can't come down right right and i've even had it to where i like basically passed out mm-hmm. that's that's why i thought i've the first couple of times it happened to me, I've had it since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. The first couple of times it happened to me, I thought I was having a heart attack. And um, it once happened to me at a hospital. And so they told me, oh, no, you're having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's better, you know, than a heart attack. But it kind of feels like you're having a heart attack. Like it feels like your heart's going to explode. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had to deal with that, Jimmy? Panic attack? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I can't say that I have. I don't. Yeah, I can't say that I have. Yeah, it's uh, so many people that I know have them, and I, I don't know why I am so lucky to not have that one. I have everything else though. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just all mostly brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I think a little bit of it is um, my mom is a therapist, and she's not a big fan of focusing on childhood trauma and things like that. Hmm. Um, so I don't know about mm-hmm. that. But I I think there's a little, there's got to be a little of that in there. Yeah. I mean, it just really imprints yeah, you. Yeah, I will say this, though, and this this might be really ignorant, but like sometimes I almost feel like I could have an actual breakdown, like like something potent where I can like really feel it and I'm like crying and bawling up in the corner instead of just kind of always feeling like I'm just floating above it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nice. And I'm able to function. I'm able to get through work and get through the day. But a lot of times it's really miserable, you know, and I almost kind of wish I could just like lose my shit and be taken to the hospital and like, you know, and then recover from there. Right. Yeah. I've thought that before too. Although now I don't think mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. actually have sort of a fear. I probably feel differently if it actually yeah. happened. But. I think a lot of people, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like I've seen people really lose their temper. And I think that's almost like a, I don't know if it's more acceptable, but it's like another way that people actually yeah. express anxiety is just Yeah, by, I've, I've had that, honestly. Yeah, where yeah. you can, sometimes you can tell, oh, you're just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. scared and sad and freaked out about right. stuff. I still get that in my head. Like, I, I try really hard to not let it out anymore, and it's been a long time mm-hmm. since, I've, since I've had, like, a burst of anger. Um, but, yeah, when, like, the pressure's mounting and, like, you know, and, and all the emotions are going, like, I am prone to, like, lose it. And I still do kind of in my head, like if I'm at work and, and like everything's just just coming down at once. Uh, but I can like keep it in my head now, you know, and not not let it out on anyone because um, it's, you know, and it is it has something. It does kind of feel like a breakdown. You know what I mean? Losing your temper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the worst part of me, honestly, like when I when that happens. Thankfully, it doesn't happen very often anymore. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, I, I really haven't gotten, I haven't had that, I don't think, in like probably five years. I re, when I had a thing with somebody I, who was pretty awful, but I blew all my credibility because I got so angry and said some nasty wow. things. Um, and I, I don't think I really have since then. But I used to, like when I worked at the Paper Moon, I would all the time. Wow, <laughs> like, really? All the time. But 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 it was kind of understood there because it was it was it wasn't uncommon for that to happen. Well, when I I was going to say my the last time I really had problems with anger was in my twenties when I was mm-hmm. waiting tables. Yeah, I got better with it. Like once I once I left the Moon, kind of was either fired or quit. And I went home and I was like, I cannot keep, I got to like do something about this. And I started like meditating before work and like doing it. And I eventually went back there and it was fine, you know. 
I mean, there's no excuse for losing your temper, but I will say waiting tables is like having other people's psychological baggage dumped yeah. on you yep. all day, every yeah. day. And yeah. it really I do not wears miss you down. Yeah. I, I, that's, I, that's one of my biggest fears right now is that I'll have to go back to that, honestly. Yeah, I still oh. get, I still get the, uh, the server nightmares. I have them all the time. Oh, all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Especially during the pandemic because, so I moved to, back to Chicago a year ago. And I've been unemployed ever since. And um, I was like, at right when the pandemic hit, I was right at the point where I was like, I'm just going to have to go work in a restaurant right. if I can even get that anymore. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit and that whole thing. But um, one other thing I was going to say, oh, kind of that related back to social anxiety is when I first moved back there, I started going to, you know, open mics and whatnot. And that whole thing of being in the geographical location where I have all these memories mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. mute girl and all this stuff. So I would go and you have to wait like hours before you can get up at a mic. Like you mm -hmm. sign up and then it's like hours, literally yep. like a hundred people go to these things. So I would be waiting and waiting. And I had this experience a couple of times where I almost had a panic attack because I was waiting so long and just thinking about all this stuff and it, from my childhood. And I was like, I remember one time I started, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to start crying because mm -hmm. I had tears welling up in my eyes. And I was just like, I can't do this. I'm mute, girl. I can't do this anymore. And <laughs> the I most disappointing be, Avenger yeah, of all. I was, and then, and then <laughs> mute just, girl. And honestly, just at that point, this woman who's a comedian that I met from um, being on the road, like mm -hmm. at festivals and stuff, came up and she was running the mic and she like grabbed me and was like, Oh, I'll put you right up. Oh. You're so great. Nice. Thanks for coming. Nice. And she was so sweet. Yeah, stuff to like me. that can save you sometimes. Oh, it saved me. Yeah. It yeah. saved me. She was so kind and I was just like, oh my God. Like yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, definitely like telling people what you appreciate about them can be, you know, I mean it saved me so many times. Um but let's uh, jump into our last confession here. This one is from our friend Mark Miller, who lives in New York City, but actually, Hi, he, but he's actually from West Virginia as well. Wow! Yeah, um, big city. But yeah, you you remember Mark, right, Christine? Oh yeah, he's so funny. I very know. very hello, uh, redhead. Also, he, oh is he? I can't see colors very well. Oh. Yeah, you don't see color. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm racist. Said I the just, white man. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm actually. I just assume and hate. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Mark's a really good. Uh, I, I would label him kind of an alternative comedian, like you and I, right? Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Is that? Um, and he uh, he lives in New York now. We got to have him on the the show sometime. Uh, anxiety and depression are relatively new for me, perhaps because I've just recently learned to recognize them. I worked a high stress job for a year and a half that put me over the edge and left me in a place where I really had to start working on myself. About a month later, I started taking antidepressants and realized that all the times I've been cranky, short-tempered, and just downright awful to be around, it was because I was depressed. I was relieved to have a label for it, and I have a treatment for it, but the next hill to climb was to figure out how to be a productive and self-sufficient member of, of society. And that's what anxiety that's when anxiety entered the picture. How do I find a job that will pay me what I'm worth and give me the freedom to manage my time and emotions? How do I make sure this job won't destroy my soul? I figured it out for a while, but then COVID came along and then health realities caught up with me and suddenly I was out of the meds that helped me. I stuck it out until I could get all my supplies replenished. But even just today, it took everything I could muster to get out of the house and walk around 
uh, to some shops uh, to get uh, before the Prozac calmed the negativity in my mind. But there was still anxiety and was making me reluctant to go out and do anything when I knew there was so much else I needed to work out at home. For me, I see anxiety and depression working at odds with themselves from different directions. I know I need to work. Uh, I, I, need, I know I need to work and resume job, job searches and applications, not to mention personal projects and creative goals and dreams. But I also need to get out of an exercise, get fresh air, spend time with my GF, because that is vital for our relationship, which is also vital for my own health. It turned out that our work would end us end us up at one of the boutiques where they stock various CBD products. And I realized and I decided to restock because it works for me. I know some folks are skeptical of it. Um, as soon as I get a little in my system, I could feel the weight lift and the rest of the day felt smoother and it felt better about the week. And yet it's still not guaranteed. I have to get up with a little fight every morning before I can do anything else. It's not necessarily a tough fight. I know that I can win, but it's just showing up and fighting, but it's still exhausting. Imagine if you had to be the first level of Mario brothers every day before you could eat breakfast. Yeah, it's not hard to do and you'll get better at it over time, but it's still exhausting and you get to a point where you're like, seriously, you're still here. We're still doing this. Okay, let's go. Wow. God. Well, he brought up a really good point, which is something that I've been thinking a lot about, is that can capitalism change post-pandemic in such a way that, I mean, how can, I just assume everybody is rethinking the workplace or job. Oh, absolutely. In no, I think the whole world is, is changing. But like, then on the other hand, there's so many people who are like, we need to get back to work. We mm-hmm. need to open. Da, da, da. And it's like, I get it. But at the same time, this is a big opportunity to do yeah, it differently. I and I so. feel like people are in such a rush to mm-hmm, go back mm-hmm. that I'm worried that people aren't going to, because we need to think about things right. like people's mental health yeah, and the fact yeah. that, for one thing, I just don't believe in 40-hour work weeks. I don't believe it. I think it's totally mm-hmm. unhealthy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that you can do unless the job is making my own art and comedy. Sure. There's literally nothing I can do for 40 hours a mm-hmm. week that's not going to drain the life out of mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and, and physically, it, like yeah. doing anything for eight hours straight is difficult. And also, it's a total uh, ruse that all these people all over the world working 40 hours plus a week are actually like creating society, the, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it's all total bullshit. It's all, most of it is wasting time Mm -hmm. and what we, you know, so we need something that's more like we need to start wrapping our heads around. I mean, I feel like people like us and creative type of people and artists for sure have been saying this forever. Like, but I mean, it's like, we need a culture that is that embraces like people making things not to make money, but to actually like add to culture. Yeah, you I, know what I mean? I kind of feel like it is going in that direction somewhat. Like I, I'm hoping, like you were saying, that this pandemic, this pandemic, I feel like for a lot of us has shown us that yeah, we don't really need to work that much. Like we can get the stuff done from home. Like you know, the world is still moving. Like. I do kind of kind of agree with that, and I do feel like social credit, uh, which I feel like art can be a part of, is becoming more of a thing. It's definitely way more of a thing for me personally. Like, um, people are starting to see like how much I put into th- the things that I don't get paid for, and they're more friendly. They're like more open to helping me out and giving me things, you know. And um, 
I've seen that so much more in like the last few years than That's ever true. before in my yeah. life. What do you think, Jimmy? I agree. I think social credit is a, a huge thing. I don't, I mean, I think that's always kind of played into, uh, I guess, I, I, I kind of look at it as its own kind of little form of capitalism. Yeah, like, I mean, it is a currency. Like, it is a trade. A I think know? it's much more, I think it's a much more valuable right. form of currency. Like, I, I think of a lot of times there's, there's little stuff that, uh, for instance, that like, you don't even really think about, like, if you're at work, right? Let's say you're working at a restaurant and you're, you're behind the bar with another bartender. At the end of the night, you pull the tips. And you have an odd number of dollars in the bucket. So let's say you have $301 in the bucket. And then you're the person splitting it up. Mm-hmm. Do you give yourself the right. 150 and give them 151? Right. Or do you give yourself 151 and give them 150? Right. It's a dollar offshoot, but yeah it's a huge thing absolutely it says yeah. so much more it speaks right. volumes so there's little things you're, you're like saying that. after you instead of me first exactly, exactly. And that, yeah that does that that's that's uh that is huge mm-hmm. you know yeah it's, uh, it's just one dollar one dollar yeah wow. yeah i yeah i mean the times that i've had like resentments about money or whatever with people it's it's not the money that that matters it's just yeah. the fact that you would you would say I'd, I'd rather I'd rather throw you under the bus. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with tipping. It's like you know, like you could give somebody like uh, if it's a tw- if it's a thirty dollar or if it's a twenty five dollar check, you could give them like four dollars. You can give them five dollars mm-hmm. or six dollars, and it's like the difference between fifteen or twenty percent. Mm-hmm. But it's like again, it's just one dollar. Yeah, but it's the principle. It's yeah, like, and they're saying. You, I recognize that you are a human being, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's like the, I don't know how to explain it, but like, just, just being like, I, I realize you exist and mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt you. I want you to like be okay yeah. because yeah. you're also a human mm-hmm. being, not because there's anything in it for me other than I empathize with yeah. other humans, you know? Yeah. The hardest thing is just trying to figure out a way to, you know, you do have to make money doing what you do. Yeah. So to figure out a way how to monetize, but more currency. and more it's it's trade too. Though I think yeah. like a lot of the stuff like I don't I don't pay rent right now, but I don't I don't feel like I'm mooching off of anyone because I like do stuff in return, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I you know it's it, it, I can tell this person really wants to to do that, really, like wants to help me out right now. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a good money. It's just, a, I mean, really when you get down to it, uh, money in its at its essence is just it's just like paper. It's just a value system like if that's it, what if it you, should yeah, be it yeah. should just be a note saying you did this amount of value yeah. so you can trade it for something else exactly you know? which is essentially what it is i mean that's all it is it's like this this dollar is worth x amount of value you could use it to buy a stick of gum you could use it to buy you know whatever whatever is worth a dollar to you mm-hmm. might not be what's worth a dollar to me so if i don't have something that i can directly give to you that you want I can give you this free value pass that you can use somewhere else to get yeah. something you do. Yeah, it's want. like a gift card, but for yeah. whatever. Yeah. Or at least it should be. I feel like there's, you know, mm-hmm. politics and everything get all mixed up in it and corruption. Yeah. And- it's like with your friends. It's like, you know, like you don't, when you're with my friends, you know, when we were younger, when you first start to like get your stupid jobs at the beginning and you find yourself being a little, we were all kind of a little bit more uptight about like, Oh, dude! Like I bought, I I paid for the movie ticket, so you got. Yeah, yeah. But then once everybody kind of like matures, mm-hmm. get into like mm-hmm. your early to mid twenties, and then it just you nobody's keeping tabs. Like, oh, you know, like I I 
bought these drinks over here, so you owe me three dollars and sixty-eight cents. Right. It's right. like it's really just it's it's a reciprocation that you can kind of sense, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Where there's no dollar value that you put to it. Where right, it's like right. I spent this much money on Saturday, and you only spent that much. Like you know, like. Yeah, I bought. Absolutely. I paid for absolutely. the. I paid for the food. You paid for the drinks. I paid for the Uber. Yeah, you yeah. fucking did this. You yeah, bump, you just kind of have like a balance. Like, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's social currency. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like it's so abstract that it's like, oh man, it's so frustrating because it's like all the reasons that you need to get a job, and generally, I think most people don't love their job. Mm-hmm. I would probably dare to say that most people hate their their job um their 40-hour grind or mm-hmm. whatever it is and it's like so you have to get one of those so that you can get x amount of money so that you can survive and so that you can have like a plan for when you're older and all that or if you have kids or all that kind of stuff but here's the thing it's like but if we changed all the other things then you wouldn't need all that and we're living in it right now right, it's right. like well, if we lived in a society where we cared about the elderly and made sure everyone was taken care of mm-hmm. in their old age and that it was generally fair and generally mm-hmm. equitable, then you wouldn't have to work some horrible grind for most of your good years to do that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If we lived in a place where everybody had housing that was generally affordable it's you know all this kind of stuff that i mean i guess it gets into the thing where people start saying well that's socialism and socialism is just bad i don't you know but it's like if you just think about it in the abstract mm-hmm. which we're kind of forced to do now yeah it's yeah. like it may, it's so simple and it makes yeah. so much sense i mean like, i think volunteerism is is kind of the future in a lot of ways where like you know like when i was taking care of that elderly man like i didn't go th- I didn't take like courses to do, you know what I mean? It's just like, I just go to his house and just do it underground, you know? And it's like, cause I want to, and cause yeah. you want, you like, we both want it, you know? So it's like, yeah, I'm I feel like, like a that's DIY kind of heart surgeon. You know, but it's like, I like <laughs> well, to take care of it. I'm just kidding. But I mean, yeah, that's. I like almost, a, I almost feel like that could become a thing in the future, like, <laughs> like underground doctors and just like, yeah, there's no way you're going to be able to afford it. Like, I thought I'll it was too. Oh my god! Back in Abe Lincoln's day, you didn't have to graduate from law school to become a lawyer. Oh really? You could just take the bar exam. Yeah. Wow. In fact, it wasn't until recent, relatively recently, that you had to have a law degree and pass the bar exam. But back in the day, it was like, hey, if you can, if you can pass the bar, you're just as good as that guy who passed the bar. Uh, you right. Know? I don't. Yeah. 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 Those things can be. You know, you can do it. Sometimes certain, I think certain things we probably still want to have. Sure. <laughs> like sure. Thing. Yeah. But yeah. like what you were describing with your friends, so just mm-hmm. sort of like that yeah. sort of ebb and flow of like, I get you, you get me back to everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, I mean, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but if you just took that basic concept for our whole society, which is not free market capitalism is not about that. That's like the opposite of free market capitalism. Free market capitalism dictates that we all compete with each other for, and like whoever has the most wins, you know, the hoarding thing mm-hmm. or whatever. But if it was more like that, because that is better for everybody. Like if everybody has health care, that's much better for me mm-hmm. because yeah. that means I'm much m- less likely to 
deal with somebody. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. obviously, it's just I, crazy to me right. that it's like, it's all kind of in black and white I th- now. I think at most decent people agree that like we have enough, we potentially have enough to pretty much take care of everybody. I think it's just how we get there is like how what people disagree on, but we're going like way off. But this is a good conversation nonetheless. Maybe we should do an, a money episode at some point. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, Capitalism uh, v socialism. <laughs> but I mean, back to what Mark was talking about, it is the source of yeah, most yeah. people's Absolutely. Anxiety. I can't even, I, I honestly cannot, I can't look at money. Like I can't think about it really because I have such anxiety about it that I, the whatever plan I, I come up with in my head, it's going to be doom. I'm like, there's no way I can afford anything ever. <laughs> but if I just stay cool and just live day to day and just kind of trust, then it usually works out. So that tells me that my anxiety is a mental illness to some degree because it distorts reality, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, it's, I can, I'm like, t- terribly anxious about money if I, if I let myself be. In fact, I went a few years without even looking at my bank account. I like had it set up so that I would I knew roughly how much I needed to put in every week. You have a joke about that. I yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually yeah. a really good joke. I like that joke of yours. Thank you, thank you. Someone accused me of stealing it actually uh, at a show once because uh, the new John Mulaney, he he does one similar. And I saw it and I was like, yeah, that is kind of similar to my joke that I, I was already doing. But that you've been doing for hours. Yeah, yeah, oh my God. yeah. But, but somebody at a, at a show was like, hey. That joke you did, I was just wondering, it sounds a lot like a John Mulaney joke. And oh, you were wow. like, uh, you sound a lot like John Mulaney right now in this impression <laughs> of you that I'm doing. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the way you just impersonated the person accusing you oh, of stealing okay. a joke sounded like John Mulaney. Oh, right, right, right. Do you okay. think there's any way he somehow... No, God, no. Really? God, okay. that's, a whole, that's a whole other third episode we need to do, but that's there's no way... <laughs> Famous jokes stolen Dude, I, from Mike Moran. I guarantee you, every joke that I have, somewhere someone has done some variation of it. Oh, like, really? yeah, I mean, there's no way, you know, it's like the, the when I, the, this was my first lesson in that. I had a whole bit about how the, the term wife beater shirts was offensive and it's weird how we're so casual about it. You know, uh-huh. like, well, that's a cute wife beater. Yeah. And, and then there's my rapist pants. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of where it went. Like, well, that's a cute child predator. <laughs> and, and I had, that was like one of the first bits I ever wrote, had it, um, I actually did it on that first Michael Ian Black show. And, um, and then, and then Louis CK on SNL, like pretty much did the same bit, like not just the same premise, but like a lot of the tags were the same. It, 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 it like people were literally like, I think he somehow saw your joke. And I, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I don't think it's like Conan had a thing recently where he's like, he got sued for, for stealing a joke or something. And he's, and he explained how like. 20 years ago him and Letterman and Leno all had the same joke on the same night there's only there's only so many notes on the guitar you know it's like oh okay you know, I, I don't yeah. think you can worry about that anymore, especially now with the internet, with Twitter, like every joke is somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a weird, almost cognitive dissonance thing because it's like, if you wanted to, you could just steal your whole act easily. You, you know? really could. You could. Yeah. And just mix it up enough that it doesn't mm-hmm. appear to be exactly. And uh, that used to be the norm, actually. They really? used to, way back when they used to. 
like comedians, we, they would buy joke books. There was this, every year <laughs> yeah. they put out this joke. No, I'm serious. And yeah, then I know. People just did different combinations of right, the right. jokes. Yeah, that's so lame. Yeah. There's, I, I feel like even if it's, and I, there are comedians that are like regular touring comedians that just kind of, I feel like there's public domain kind of jokes, you know, that just like everybody kind of does variations like of Black them. History Month's the shortest month. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. that. Like uh, Amy, Amy yeah. Winehouse, three years sober. Jokes like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's kind of like just Ooh. known that everybody can kind of do them, you know, which I don't. I try not to. But there's just like a. it has to come down to your own personal feelings, I think. You know, it's like I could steal my whole act if I wanted to. Um, but I just it I just that wouldn't be fun. You know, that wouldn't be interesting. You know what I mean? But there are plenty of comedians that are writing almost no jokes, I guarantee you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah sure. All right. Well, this was a great episode, you guys. We went everywhere. How long was this episode, Jimmy? Long enough. <laughs> long enough. <laughs> but not too long. Not too long. Oh, okay. I think uh, probably an hour and a half. All right. All right. Oh, wow. It's one of our longer episodes yeah, then, mm-hmm. long. if not our longest. Just, yeah, I think so. You could so. cut out that middle chunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. cut out all the Christine stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cut out. Keep cut out all me. the thes. That'll <laughs> yeah. take it down. People will know what we're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, no, yeah. this is great. This is why I I love having Christine on, and I I wish she was still here so she could be the co-host if she was willing to. Uh, maybe we should do like more virtual. We can do stuff. Zoom because you know I have my own like microphone and the, okay, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah, yeah let's do that more. Um, but uh, thank you, Christine. Do you have anything else you want to you want to plug or? Mm, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Starbucks Diary is still available. It is actually. Um, I'm actually. I just did a huge revision, so I'm putting out like a new sort of expanded version Ooh, of it. So awesome. that'll be out soon, and then hopefully I'm putting together this audiobook. Nice. I have a bunch of stuff that I'm working on, yeah. but. You know, yeah. you'll be reprising your role as not Alice in Wonderland coming yeah. up soon. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there going to be a revival of that? <laughs> I do have a Patreon. Speaking of money, do you? Oh, there you go. I do. I need to get one. What's yours? It's just Christine Ferreira. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know how Patreon handles work, really. Yeah, I think you just look up the yeah, person sure. that you're interested okay. in supporting. You go to the library. They have a book with all the names. You go yeah. through. Then you send them. I'm going to donate to you form. in social currency. Yeah, <laughs> that's that I very appreciated. Yeah. All right, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. Guys. You guys can't see, but I'm thank actually you, even if you could see, you wouldn't understand what I was doing right now. All right, <laughs> and we will see you next time on the confessional. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. <laughs>